Outlet pass the block. Here come the Aces on the run. The Energizer looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of three. Chance of three. The Energizer. What a three from half court. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There are six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. In, in, in. Glad to have you with us here on a Friday as we get ready for another busy sports weekend the Vegas Golden Knights in action tonight on the road in Montreal. But we got a watch party over here at Sunset Station. That is our location right now. Friday afternoons at Sunset Station, STN Sports Studio here. Yours truly, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank today because the Golden Knights are in action. So that's who he is today. Numchuck back in the studio. Chuck Esposito is going to join us a little bit later on. We'll talk about the betting side where the action is coming in. The Golden Knights, another heavy favorite, even though they're on the road. But there are some COVID concerns for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll dive into that as well. Their head coach is on the positive protocol list, I guess you might want to say. So are other players going to be affected? We don't know as of yet. We'll keep you posted. But uh, face off tonight, 5 o'clock local time. We invite you to come on over here to Sunset Station, fantastic venue in Club Madrid for the VGK Watch Party. Plenty of prizes will be given away. I don't want to say guarantee, but you're pretty much close to guaranteed to get in a prize. Uh, they've got it on the big screens and everything in there. you got you got food, beverage options, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, no cover charge to get in. Everybody who comes on in gets a ticket, basically a drawing ticket, to win some VGK memorabilia as well as some Sunset Station swag and uh, gift certificates for food and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great atmosphere inside Club Madrid for the VGK watch parties. They are back. They've done a couple of them here. Our good friend Brian Blessing, he hosts along with Chuck Esposito. And uh, Ballpark and myself will be here uh, tonight to watch the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens in game number three. So looking forward to that. All right, on the show today, uh, we're going to hear from Bob Arum, top-ranked boxing, the Hall of Fame promoter, Promoter extraordinaire, we will hear from him because fight card again tomorrow night at the Virgin Hotels of Las Vegas, formerly the Hard Rock. Uh, this will be the third of four shows they have done this summer. Again, last week uh, we were there for Shakur Stevenson, and tomorrow night we will see the Japanese superstar, the bantamweight champion, in a way, takes on Das Marinas. Uh, also, Michaela Meyer, one of the best female fighters in the world. She is on the card as well, too. And we've got tickets to give away. Real simple. So we are going to give you an opportunity to win tickets via calling in today and also Twitter. We're going to make it real simple for you. Okay? We just, you got to earn it. You're going to have to earn it. And last week we did, we had Stitch Duran on here, and we went favorite boxing movie of all time. Great response to that. So if you want to go to the fight, and we've got tremendous tickets. $200 tickets for you tomorrow night at the Virgin, top-ranked ESPN. And we just want you to go ahead and follow me, TC Martin 21 on Twitter. Go ahead and, and put on there 
Give me your favorite boxer of all time. We're going to make it real simple. And then we're going to call in a little bit later today as well, too. Make it real simple. you got to earn it with a strong boxing take. Who's your favorite boxer of all time? Whether it was way back in the day, whether it's current, whether it's a while back, it doesn't matter. And, and why? Real simple. You pick up the phone, you do it, 221-7283, area code 702-221-7283. Give us your best boxing take, uh, favorite boxer of all time. If you've got a take on Wilder Fury 3, we'll do that as well, too. So either one of those on Twitter, we will accept that. Who is going to win Wilder Fury 3? Give us your reason why, and we'll do that. All right, so Bob Aram is going to join us. Uh, Dr. Christina Madison, our great friend, who is uh, all over the place uh, as far as the media, but she is uh, our infectious disease expert. So give us a COVID update. So Dr. Christina, love having her on the program for uh, our regular updates. So she will join us here at some Sunset Station here today. And also, uh, last night's Las Vegas Aces game. We will dive into that as well. Mark Davis uh, joined me at halftime last night. Uh, Liz Cambage joined me for the postgame show. We're going to play back both of those interviews. I uh, think that you will enjoy that, so we'll get to that here in a matter of moments. But uh, we're ready. It's a busy weekend. NBA playoffs, we got that to talk about, VGK. It's all here, buddy. It's all here. Where do we start? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously uh, we have the viewing party tonight, but I know we have plenty of time to talk about the Golden Knights. Uh, the big news there, uh, Will Montreal's coach be behind the bench tonight. He could be out for up to 10 games with COVID protocol. They said they'll be testing him through the rest of the day. So, you know, maybe it's a false positive. We've certainly seen that before. I was watching some of the NBA last night. Uh, tried to watch some of that Aces game, uh, but uh, but it was such a blowout. It looked more like an Aces scrimmage out there. <laughs> Did get to see some players that you don't necessarily see at the end of the game because it was such a blowout. So, you know, that was probably nice for some of them to get a few minutes in there. And, uh, yeah, a, a lot of stuff going on right now. And, you know, also, like you mentioned, the boxing. Saw a really good piece on ESPN actually last night uh, on Inouye and, you know, his whole story and, you know, why he hit so hard and why he even got into boxing because over in Japan it's still kind of the culture that you honor your parents and you show respect for them. And his father wanted him to fight, so his father basically trained him and taught him how to fight. Uh, the fight that he had, of course, where he broke his uh, orbital bone, I thought that was interesting that he still went on round after round and actually dominated the rounds after that shows how tough he is that he can not only deliver a blow but also you know that he can take one as well and then also the fight where uh one of the uh one of his opponents one of their people kind of bumped into his dad and they thought that it was pretty much intentional in a way being japanese didn't say anything about it but in the ring they said that they thought that he gave that guy an extra big pounding just because he didn't show respect to his father so uh it's an interesting fight and it's also interesting when you have when you think of the monster you think of the big heavyweights. You think of Fury Wilder or something like that. You don't think of little guys. But this guy is a little monster. Yeah. Everything he throws is just with bad intent. Yeah, yeah, he, he's great. I saw the fight in Japan when he fought Nonito Donaire, one of the fights you're talking about there, and that was phenomenal. And that's when Bob uh, Aram signed him right after that. So he is phenomenal, and I know many, many people probably haven't seen him before. You get a chance to see him in person tomorrow night at the Virgin. All right, we will start talking about the Las Vegas Aces. You mentioned it, Frank. It was 103-76. The Aces have proved to 10-3 and now. They've won 10 of their last 12, five in a row. And uh, the big thing last night for me, the atmosphere was fantastic because everybody, it was back to normal. It, it seemed like we were back in 2019. The seats were pulled out there at the, at the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, you had the floor seating. You had a lot of Las Vegas Raiders were there. Mark Davis was there. Uh, 
got a chance uh, to talk with him. So I said, hey, Mark, how about coming on the the halftime show? And he goes, absolutely. So we're going to play that interview uh, for you back here in a couple minutes with that. But just uh, quickly to talk about uh, the atmosphere last night in the building, it, it seemed electric. Even though only 2,000 fans were there, still for season ticket holders, the WNBA is still being very, very careful. And we'll talk to Christina Madison when she joins us about that. But slowly but surely, they will open it up. But uh, it just uh, was a, a very... Uh, loud 2,000 people, and uh, you know the the way they, they the Aces and the MGM Mandalay Bay the the way they put on uh, everything there just uh, it's kind of like the Golden Knights in a certain way where it just you know if you're going to the game you're going to be very very entertained and like you said the Aces played phenomenal basketball yes it was a blowout but they had balanced scoring they suited up 10 players all 10 scored. Uh, last night, Kelsey Plum had another fantastic uh, game uh, for her. Uh, Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray was phenomenal as well too. But uh, it was good to to be back there courtside. It was be great to have the fans right there and seeing the players interact with the fans. And that's one thing that you get that you don't get in hockey. You get that banter, uh, you know, with the players and the fans. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting too because you touched on a lot of points there, but uh, when I was uh, going back and forth between, you know, some of the other things, the hockey game obviously with uh, the Islanders and and the Lightning, but uh, when I was watching it towards the end of that game there, when Cambage and Asia were out of the game, I I think Liz Cambage likes being a cheerleader on the sideline as much as uh, she likes playing the game or whatever. When when the block came from the uh, from the other big girl that kind of was in there when you know when Liz and Asia were both out, I mean she was going crazy. I believe it was her tenth block of the night that they had, and I mean it was all ball and she got that. So uh, you know I I thought that was cool that the starters are you know cheering on the people that they practice with because they know that you know obviously your stars are the ones that are going to play the games and they're going to determine on most nights whether you win or lose games, but. The other people are an intricate part because the old thing of steel sharpens steel. You know, you you need good practice players as well, and so they have that going on. And then, of course, you also mentioned the Raiders. Boy, the Raiders, like them or hate them, because I know there's some mixed feelings about them, even though they are Vegas' team now. But, boy, they're all at, at the Golden Knights games or at the Aces mm-hmm. games. They're doing everything in their power mm-hmm. to try to convert you to be a Raider fan mm-hmm. if you aren't already. No doubt about it. All right, we'll hear from Mark Davis here in just a minute or two. But first, we want to give you a little Liz Cambage. Always fun talking to Liz, having her on the program. Uh, she had a fantastic game last night. Liz Cambage after last night's victory at the Mandalay Bay. All right, the Las Vegas Aces victorious tonight. The big Benzy, my girl, Liz Cambage in the house. <laughs> What's up, TC? Oh, talk about this victory tonight. You guys rolled. You put a bill on the board. 103.76. Everybody contributed. And, of course, you had a fantastic game yourself tonight. Hey, it was pretty cute. It was pretty nice to get out here. Yeah. We got the fans back. Um, it was a vibe. It was a vibe up in here. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't take no team lightly, especially New York. They got some killers on that team. And especially after the other night, I knew they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. So, mm-hmm. We just had to come out and get it started, but sheesh, it's so good to be back with fans. I've missed y'all. I've missed the house. I've missed you, Courtside TC. Man, I, I, I love it, you. It, it's good to have you back. And talk a little bit more about that vibe here because, again, this is the first time this year. Mm. It's more than a year. I yeah. mean, again, they didn't play here last year. You weren't. No one mm. was here last year. No one. So we're, it's basically two years. So talk about what that vibe felt like for you on the floor tonight. Yo, it don't matter if you're in spot. It don't matter if you worked in the casinos. Like, Vegas took a big hit last year. Mm-hmm. And it's just so good to be back connected with the people. Like, I know this city really went through it. So, our vibe is different out here. And yeah. 
And to have fans on the court, like, around us, we have the best vibe in the whole league. Like, the, the house, unmatchable, baby. So it's so good to be back here today. All right. That's great. Uh, so talk a little bit about some of your teammates here tonight. You saw what Chelsea Gray did. Yeah. Uh, what is it like playing with her? Because, really, honestly, the Aces haven't had a point guard like her, someone no. that has so much experience, not only that can, yeah. can dish but can score, yeah. but the leadership skills as well. She's great. You know, I... When I met Gray, I knew I knew from day one. Uh, it was a few years ago in Minnesota at, at an All-Star game. I was like, I need to play with you. I had an eye on my eye on her since then. So to finally get an opportunity to play with a point guard so great, you know, I I, I need to pick up my game playing with her because her like no look passes. I wasn't ready at the start of the season. I knew I got to get ready, but I'm getting better. And you know, even having Plum back, like Plum's a killer as well. Yeah. Um, and she's doing big things uh, coming off the bench. It ain't easy, especially, you know, she a superstar. Yeah. And yeah. for her, to have her coming off the bench, yeah, we go so deep at, out here. So I love this team so much. Have you ever played with a roster like this before? Not, mean, not this deep. Yeah. Hands yeah. down, not this deep. Yeah. 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 So, so how is it, how much is it for you enticing to want to look beyond that, you know, this year and continue mm -hmm. to have your career here or maybe even end here in Las Vegas? We'll you see. You ever think about that? Hey, I just try to take it game by game. Okay, that's all good. Day by day. Okay. <laughs> season by season. But I say all the time, this is the best organization in the mm -hmm. league, um, the best team in the league, best city in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm very blessed to be a part of it. I think I wake up and thank God every day that, you know, I, I went through a really rough time yeah. from the teams I came from and where I got drafted to. So, you know, God God led me through <laughs> the tough times and blessed me right now. All right, Liz, we'll let you go. We appreciate it. Ten and three. How's that record sound, huh? Yeah, it's not too bad. All right. The only way is up, baby. You got that right. Yeah. All right, we appreciate you. Fantastic game as usual, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, TC. Appreciate it. That's My the girl. guy. That's My it. guy. There we go. <laughs> I appreciate you. Liz Cambage, the big Benzie in the house. All right, Liz Cambage, another uh, impressive performance last night and always fun. Now, does she say the only way is up because she's from the land down under? I think so. So exactly. everything's always the only way. I mean, her whole life's been that way. <laughs> uh, always fun. Liz Gambage. Uh, Aces victorious last night, 103-276. And I have to give it to you, too, because when we did talk about that game yesterday, you mentioned how extremely thin the Liberty were going to be. And even though they lost by 22 the other game, it could be even worse this game. You mentioned that final score. And I don't think it was that close. Right. I mean, it, it looked like the Aces literally could have named the score of this game from watching it. And here's the thing, too. Remember I talked about they didn't have Sabrina Unescu, the, form, the number one pick from last year, who was injured. She suited up last night. Now, she only ended up playing about 15 minutes, but she was 0 for 8 from the field last night. And it's funny because when they played... Uh, in New York, going back on June the 3rd, she was healthy, and she was 1 for 12 from the field. And then she's averaging 20 points a game. So I don't know what it is. I mean, the, the defense, the aces, and again, when you have those veteran guards that are guarding her, and she was frustrated last night, too. I mean, she was John, and and uh, they had a double foul, and, and one referee gave her a technical foul, and then they rescinded her or something like that. But, yeah, she, she's getting very, very frustrated playing against uh, the aces. Well, and to use um, one of the things that you mentioned last night on the air – when you said that the Liberty was 2 for 10 at one time shooting threes, and you said that's pretty easy math, it's 20%. Right. Well, if she was 0 for 8 and 1 for 12, so she's 1 for 20, so she, she's shooting 0.05% uh, or uh, scoring against the Aces. So, right. yeah, not very good. Maybe she wanted Ben Simmons to feel not so bad about his game. Very nice. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Mark Davis joined me last night. We got a chance to talk to Mark. We want you to hear that interview as well, too, to hear from the Las Vegas Raiders and Las Vegas Aces owners as we talk about him and the acquisition that took place. And it was great to have a one-on-one with Mark last night. So here is Mark Davis, the new owner of the Las Vegas Aces. All right, T.C. Martin back here at courtside, and joined us now is the owner of the Las Vegas Aces. That sounds good to say. I mean, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders and now the Las Vegas Aces, Mark Davis, joins us here tonight at the house. Mark, how you doing, my man? Good, fantastic. Man, it's great to see you again here in your customary seat there in midcourt, and now join us over here for the broadcast. Yeah, it's exciting that we all got to go back to our original seats and... Uh... Seeing the team play up close, I think the, the crowd has been phenomenal tonight. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, the team is rewarding us with, uh, so far, a really good first half. So let's talk a little bit about how you got involved here. We know that you were here at all these games, and you have always had a love for the NBA, and your father did as well. I think it probably goes back to, to Al having a love for women's sports and women's basketball, right? Uh, there's no question about that. He was always a fan of women's basketball, and... Uh, as I told some of the girls as we're bringing the alumni in that my dad, they asked me why I got involved. And I, I told them my dad probably knew where they went to high school and maybe grammar school, that he followed the women's basketball that closely, uh, loved college, loved Gino Uriyama and what they had done there at Connecticut. And uh, just uh, was a big fan of Pat Summit at Tennessee and everything else. So, so talk about how this all unfolded, that you got the opportunity to purchase the aces from the MGM. Well, it's part part his fault right there. I got Jim, Jim Muren is. Jim Muren he's standing right here. right here. Yeah. But uh, when uh, the Raiders were given the opportunity to move to Las Vegas, um, we were still staying in Oakland to play there for three more years. But uh, at that moment, at the same time, they announced that uh, MGM had purchased a WNBA team and was bringing it to Las Vegas. We're going to be called the Aces, and I immediately got season tickets and. Uh, Eventually, my seats ended up sitting right near Jim and right next to his cohort, uh, Bill Hornbuckle. And I think every game I would tell those guys that uh, they needed to pay these girls more money. And finally, they looked at me and said, uh, you know, if you think they should be paid more money, why don't you pay them? Buy the team. (laughs) And uh, we laughed. And uh, about a week later, I got a call from uh, Bill, and he said, no, I was serious about that. And uh, the pandemic came along, but we worked through the negotiations through that period. And uh, now we're here. How long did this process actually take when you guys had these conversations and you really wanted to do this, and how much thought did you give it? I gave it a lot of thought. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was about probably a year and a half uh, is how it went, and it was actually smooth. I think, like I say, if it wasn't for the pandemic, it probably would have happened sooner. But uh, there was uncertainty of how the uh, everything was going to work at that point, so we just uh, moved it back a little bit. Now, I know that you know, Keith, you talked about this before, about – a lot of these teams in this league have not made money. It's really not a money-making project. Is your goal, and you're a great advocate for this league and this team in the city as we know, but is this a product you feel that can actually make money over time? Um, I would hope so. Um, I think these women are some of the greatest athletes in the world at what they do, and I think they're uh, greatly undervalued uh, on uh, the financial side or the business side. I think it's really going to come come to the some type of media distribution company to understand that their value of the WNBA is a lot more than just the eyeballs, but the ancillary benefits that working with these women brings to communities and everything else is worth the uh, effort to help uh, 
make this league successful. All right. Mark Davis uh, joins us here at halftime, the new owner of the Las Vegas Aces. You've made this a priority, too, to really get involved with the WNBA in the 25th anniversary, and you're bringing back players from the Utah Stars, the San Antonio Stars, and talking to some of these former players, they're shocked. They're surprised because they've been forgotten, and you've made it a priority to bring them back just like you've done with the Raiders alumni. Well, exactly, and it's, it's, it's actually something that brought over from the Raiders. Um, as we always say, the most valuable asset the Raiders have is its alumni, and everything we do is geared towards making sure that they're proud and, and uh, thought of. Um, it was their blood, sweat, and tears that brought the uh, Raiders to where they are today, and we have to recognize that. So there was two things I've made certain, certain that were going to be uh, part of me becoming part of the Aces was number one was to give them a home, and we are building them a 50,000-square-foot uh, facility in uh, Henderson, Nevada, which will have the uh, practice courts, offices, training facilities, locker rooms, and everything to make them a world-class organization. But secondly, it was to create a uh, fi uh, uh, alumni association with these girls to let them know that this year was the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, but it's also the 25th anniversary of this franchise's uh, uh, creation. And so we have uh, contacted uh, about 140 players and have asked them to come back at various times during the season here so that we can honor them, let our fans meet them, and they all have stories to tell. And again, it was to let them know that we recognize that this league wouldn't be here if they hadn't done what they had done 25 years ago right. and that we, we are grateful for them and that we want to represent them. And really, there's strength in numbers, and I think we're going to have a great family here at the Aces, and I'm looking forward to that. In the short time that you've owned the team, what has been one of your proudest moments, I guess, so far? What has opened your eyes a little bit? Oh, my God, there's just so many things. I, I think that I, I'll just I'll go to the most. Okay. The thing that surprised me the most is, is I had a lot more fun when I was watching it as a fan <laughs> than I am as an owner. But, uh, listen, there's so much. There, there's so many rewarding things that have happened so far. I think meeting these uh, alumni that we've brought in, about 20 of them so far that I've gotten to meet, uh, we go to dinner as a group together, and I get to meet them and hear their stories and let them know the vision that we have going forward and how they're a big part of it. Uh, that's the rewarding part, but again, as I've always said, the, the, score at the least important thing in life is the score at halftime, right. and uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but uh, we're at a great beginning. Well, you haven't had to sweat too much. I mean, these last few games, I mean, they're, they're hey, all listen, along here, right? You there's know? nothing less important in life than the score at halftime. <laughs> this is true, right? <laughs> well, the end of the game has been pretty good, too. The team 9-3, and three, hopefully 10-3, and three, you know, after today uh, right, as well, absolutely. too. Hey, we heard John Gruden the other day say, Kelsey Plum. He loves Kelsey Plum. And she gets 32. Exactly, right? Yeah. All right, so we're going to put you on it. Who's your favorite player? I love them all. Of course you do. That's the right answer. How about Bill Lambeer? Talk a little bit about him, because I know that was part of the factor for you to get involved, too, oh. to have a guy like him be, well, be the head coach in, the, in this franchise. Again, that's something MGM gave me. It was a great, great uh, basketball side of this organization. And uh, with Bill Lambeer, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't break it. And that's my philosophy. And uh, so basically the basketball side is all Bill, and uh, we give him whatever he needs. And uh, he's, he's running the show. Mark, I appreciate the time, uh, as always, my friend. We, I love seeing you here all the time, and uh, it'll be great talking with you more and more here. Yeah, as I look forward to that. As you're actively involved in this franchise. And that's the thing. You are an active owner. You're an advocate for not only this team and this city, but this product. Well, it, it's great to have you involved. I appreciate that. 
All right, there he is, Mark Davis, last night at the Aces game. Uh, great talking with Mark. Very, very passionate uh, about the Raiders and the Aces and the WNBA and women's sports in general. Well, and what I got out of that interview was um, breaking news. Couldn't do the breaking news sounder because you're already playing an interview, but Al Davis was a big women's basketball fan? He was? Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, how many people really knew that or know about yeah. it? I wonder if he was at all involved in the leagues way back, you know, when they used to have the the, the women's basketball league and different things. I remember Chicago had a team called the Chicago Hustle because my brother used to go to their games. They played mm-hmm. at Alumni Hall where the Paul where the DePaul Blue Demons mm-hmm. play. And uh, then I remember, was that the league or was it a different league that they tried again too when uh, Nancy Lieberman, and right. Nancy Lieberman mm-hmm. tried to try out for the NBA? She didn't make a team. And Martina Navratilova and her were very good friends, and Martina helped get some sponsors to basically fund and start a women's league back then. Now, they didn't have the success that the WNBA has had. They had little pockets of it here and there, but they didn't have the sustainability. But... Uh, I wonder if Al Davis used to watch some of those games or was yeah. maybe like a silent partner or something. No, he was. And see, Mark was young at that time, and Mark said that he had been around this for such a long time. So his dad loved it. He loved it. And he, and you know how Mark is. I mean, he wants to carry pretty much everything that his dad did. You know, carry the memory, the tradition. That's why you have, you know, the flame there at Allegiant Stadium. You know, everything is, is geared towards, you know, tradition. Uh, memories and that, that sort of thing. And again, with the Raider alumni, the way the Raiders have always done that, now that's carrying over to the Aces with the alumni too. Real quick, you know, you talk about you know women's basketball. There was this theory back in the day, and I don't think it's that far-fetched. And a lot of people don't like to hear this. But the reason the WNBA was started, because the NBA was fearful that women were going to try to, I don't want to say force themselves, but have them, you know, try to play in the NBA. Yeah, implement themselves Especially into with, the league and become part of the team yeah, and the different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have women try out for our teams and that sort of thing. And, and there was, a, there was a few here and there. I won't even yeah. say a handful. But then again, yes. I remember Nancy Lieberman was yep. very vocal about it. I mean, yep. and she thought she should have made the team that she tried out right. for. So was was it Indiana? Go. It seems like it was maybe Indiana yeah. that she tried out for yeah. years ago. Yeah, and you you got to remember. I mean, we've uh, there have been women that have played for the Globetrotters, you know, and uh, there's. So there are some very elite women that felt that they could play in the NBA, and NBA ownership, you know, was like, well, we we don't know about this. That's kind of a slippery slope. So they felt the pressure from that could potentially happen, and uh, and let, let's create the WNBA, and it was created in 1997. So there you go. Well, and certainly Reggie Miller and his sister Cheryl, uh, although oh. it wasn't a pro a pro league. They hustled a lot of people, and it wasn't just Reggie that was making oh. that money and winning those things on I the mean, beaches and all that sort of stuff. so many fantastic women. At least Leslie scoring 100 points. I mean, you know, come on. It's, you know, uh, Lynette Woodard, and she, you know, played for the Globetrotters. I mean, she, she, you know, she was phenomenal at Kansas, too. Uh, you know, we hear these uh, games where they'd score, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 points in games. So, uh, yeah, great talk with Mark Davis. Uh, and, again, the Aces get the victory last night, 103-76. to They've won five in a row. They're 10-3, and 10 of their last 12. Uh, next home game will be a week from Sunday when the Seattle Storm come to town, the defending champions. And then that is a rematch from last year's WNBA final. Finals. So that'll be uh, next Sunday at 1 o'clock, a week from this Sunday. Looking forward uh, to that. So, again, as they open things up, if you're a season ticket holder, it, it's great that you're out there. But once they you know, open it back up, yeah, we'll have some tickets to give away. Uh, ha- have people get out there, support uh, this team, and especially now with Mark Davis owning this team, it is, uh, it is definitely the franchise in the WNBA. And 
It's, now, can they take a selfie with you, or is that still not allowed just yet due to the protocols? Actually, they can. They actually, you know, there you, you go. Yeah, if you come down, you know, to you know that front row, you, you can do that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so take it one day, get it printed out for the next game, and then uh, TCL autograph it uh, for listen you. To you. Listen that to you. That is gold. Uh, gold, Jerry. That is more gold. golden than the Knights. I don't know about that. You're killing me, Smalls. Ha! <laughs> ah! Bob Arum is going to join us next as we talk Wilder Fury, the press conference on Tuesday. And, of course, we've got a great fight coming your way tomorrow night. At least one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world will be on display at the Virgin. We've got tickets to give away for that as well, too. So hang tight. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank here at the STN Sports Studios inside the Sunset Station on a fabulous Friday. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. All right, Tyson Fury will be here July the 24th against Deontay Wilder. It'll be Fury Wilder 3. We're looking forward to that. But before that, of course, we've got great action again tomorrow night at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. The monster, the monster Inoue, he will be here in action tomorrow night. The Unify the Bantamweight Championship. So we look forward to that. ESPN start the broadcast at 7 p.m. We've got tickets that we will be giving away, so hang tight for that. And right now, we talk to the promoter extraordinaire, our very good friend, the Hall of Famer, Bob Aaron. Bob, how you doing, my man? Really good, really good. Looking forward to tomorrow night. Should be great, great action. A lot of good fights. All right. So, Bob, what is your response to to people who who were there last you know week and you know they watch Shakur Stevenson and we tell them that hey, that's the way Shakur Stevenson fights. I mean, he is one. He's probably he is the best defensive fighter in the world. He is phenomenal. Uh, but you know, he, it's going to be a different style of fight coming up tomorrow night with anyway because this guy. I mean, it's 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 you know he's. Rock 'em, sock 'em, robots uh, to agree, and there's going to be you know more of a knockout punch there. But uh, you know, just recap last weekend's show before we get to this week's. Well, you know, again, uh, Shakur uh, fought a real tough African. Uh, he was very cautious. He's a tremendous uh, boxer. He won every round, and could he have gone after uh, his opponent? Uh, in the late rounds and knocking him out? Probably yes. I think as he matures as a fighter, uh, he'll take those opportunities. Uh, but yeah, I, I will criticize him uh, for not really stepping on the gas uh, in the last few rounds. So would you say from, from here on out that, that basically he needs to I don't want to say step up in competition, but basically he needs to, you know, to, to, to fight contenders, and hopefully that brings out a little bit more action in him or more aggressiveness to, to take these guys out? First of all, look, I'm sorry to say this, but he's going to beat everybody in his weight category. Now, sometimes it will be more difficult than others, uh, but he's got to also learn when he dominates his opponent to finish the guy. And that'll come as he gets older. He's a very, very young fighter now. Mm-hmm. All right, so tomorrow night, Bob, in a way, versus Das Marinas. Talk a little bit about fight, uh, that because a lot of people here in Las Vegas have not seen this Japanese superstar. 
And I remember watching him, you know, in Japan when he uh, fought Donaire and you signed him right after he beat Nonito Donaire. This guy is the monster for a reason. Describe the monster for people that have never seen him before. The monster is a kid that boxes beautifully. Beautifully. It's almost like poetry. The way he moves and, uh, and, and, uh, counters his opponent. And then at a particular point in time, he explodes and he hits harder than I've ever seen a guy his weight, 118 pounds, hit. I mean, he hits like with such devastating power, uh, like there's a a heavyweight uh, locked up in his body. You mentioned the fact that he's got so much power in that. Why is it that he can generate so much more power than other guys his size? Is it just his mechanics, the way he's been trained or something? Is there just a God-given ability that other guys his size don't have? Well, well, it could be all of those, you know. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, But he does have much more power than anybody uh, that I've seen of his size. Uh, and what's that, what it's attributable to? I mean, I have no idea, but it seems like all of, uh, your suggestions, uh, are probably applicable. Bob Aram joins us, top-ranked boxing, tomorrow night, Virgin Hotels here in Las Vegas, formerly the Hard Rock, the Unified Bantamweight Championship. Looking forward to that. Michaela Mayer's on the, the card as well, too. Uh, I know you signed her a while back, Bob, uh, one of the best female fighters in the world. Talk a little bit about her. Well, she's terrific. The way she's developed, both as an athlete and as a person, uh, she's extraordinarily articulate. Uh, she's really learned a lot as a professional boxer. Uh, she can hold her own, uh, and dominate, uh, virtually any, uh, opponent you put against her. She's a world champion now, and she's going to go on to have a storied career. She's fighting a two-time champion, uh, an Argentine girl, uh, uh, in this women's title fight, and it should be very, very interesting. Two uh, really experienced veteran uh, fighters. All right, Bob. So Tuesday, you're down in L.A., and we had the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder press conference to kick everything off. Of course, the fight here July 24th here at T-Mobile Arena. I know we've talked a lot about this. It's been a long time coming to see this uh, third fight. I want you to describe for everybody what that atmosphere was like as these two guys were there together. They were on stage. Uh, they had the five-and-a-half-minute uh, face-off there, which was which was pretty crazy, not saying a word. But, uh, but before we, we get into those details, Bob, just talk about the atmosphere that was there on Tuesday. Well, you know, it was these guys don't like each other, that's for sure. And... Uh, uh, I thought Tyson uh, was very, very articulate, very good. And Wilder uh, had headphones on his uh, ears and uh, didn't say a word. So it was what it was. But the uh, 
face-off that they had was extraordinarily uh, uh, riveting. And uh, uh, it's going to be a terrific fight, and I'm looking forward to July 24th. So when that was all going on, because I know you never know with a lot of these boxers, especially a guy like Tyson Fury, of uh, what, what's going to happen. You mentioned they don't like each other. But when all that was going on, uh, what, who determined, like, okay, uh, how long are we going to let this go? How should we break this up? Uh, was the athletic commission involved? Was security come? By? There was no athletic commission. <laughs> you know, and it probably would have continued longer if, the entourages on each side hadn't gotten uh, in back of their respective fighter. And uh, then it looked like it might get out of hand, and we all broke it up. Anyway, he's a, come tomorrow night. You're going to see a great show. i got to get off. i got a lot of work to do. But come and watch the monster perform. I will be there. He's a real treat. I will be there, my friend. We look forward to it. Thanks for the time, Bob. Okay, good talking to you. Good talking to you. There he is, Bob Aram, the Hall of Fame promoter, top-ranked boxing. He just got done with the weigh-ins for the fights uh, tomorrow night, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Again, for the first time you're seeing a guy like Naoa Inoue. He is phenomenal. Uh, on, like, like Bob described him beautifully, uh, just a uh, very articulate Beautiful fighter can get in, get out, and then when he releases, you know the the storm here it comes. And I got a feeling that we should see that storm at some point in time tomorrow night. Well, you know it's interesting too because when I asked him about you know where does he get all that power from, I thought maybe with all the boxers he's seen in his career and everything in in his life that you know there would be something. And he's like, I don't know, he just has it. It is what it is, kind of deal. But um, there is something about Inoue that uh, is it, it does seem a little bit different because. He doesn't have the power of a guy his size, you know, and, and you wonder at some point if he lives up to the, the hype and the expectations of him right now, you know, is he a guy that eventually can go up a weight class or two or something? And I don't want to get way ahead of us or anything like that, but, you know, normally when a guy that's small, you know, if they're moving up, you're thinking, well, he's going to be losing power, but he's already got more power than most of the guys at weight class or two ahead of him. So it is, it, it, it's very unusual but it's also fun to watch if you want if you want knockout power. Like you mentioned, Stevenson last week, that's how he fights. He wins fights. He's one of the best defensive fighters out there. This, I think, at least I'm expecting and hoping, is going to be a completely different type of style fight. Because mm-hmm. anyway, he's not just going to go back and say, you're not going to hit me. He's going to say, you can hit me, but I'm going to hit you, and I'm going to hurt you a lot more yeah. than you just hurt me. Yeah, and like I said, they're, they're, he'll be tactful as well, too. So, you know, well, yeah, he's, he's not going to get in a bare-knuckle right. brawl and show right. no defense. Yeah. But you know how fight fans are, and we saw it there last week. A lot of fight fans, you know, they, they want they want rock'em, sock'em robots oh, from the opening bell. A lot of and, them. and you get that in, in a small percentage of fights, you know. And unfortunately, the, the reality of it is, too, a lot of fighters that do fight that way don't have that long a career. Exactly. You yeah. know, so I mean, although we enjoy it, it takes a pounding on you. Right. All right. If you'd like to go to the fights tomorrow night, we have got tickets. We've got great seats for you. They're $200 tickets. Uh, give us a call, 702-221-7283. Call right now. We'll take a, we'll take a couple phone calls. And uh, you got a real strong take on uh, Fury Wilder. Just give me a prediction. Give us a prediction. Who do you like and why? Come strong with it. Earn some tickets. Give us a call, 702 221-7283. That is the phone number. 
And uh, you, you'll go to the Virgin tomorrow night, formerly the Hard Rock, formerly the Joint, but now the theater inside the Virgin Hotels of Las Vegas. It's ESPN, top-ranked boxing. And again, uh, the television portion starts at 7 p.m. The undercard starts early, like 3.30 in the afternoon. So, uh, yeah, your tickets are here for you. Great seats. Your take on Wilder Fury, who do you think will win and why? Now, can they also still mention their yes. favorite boxer? And, or? and still do. Yeah, yes. Like I said, we're, we're either one. We're very user-friendly. Or, or both. Or both. Yeah, if if or you both. want. I mean, if you got a yep. strong, quick take and you want to mention the other one as well. So who would your favorite boxer be? Because you've seen so many of them. I mean, I've watched them too, but I'm not as big of a boxing fan as you are. Yes. For me, uh, man, whew. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. Um, this is gonna sound weird because you know we all go back to like either our childhood or when we're younger, and I've had this question asked me numerous times. But right now, um, I th- I think that one of my favorite, probably my all-time favorite fighter, is a modern fighter, which is very rare when we talk about greatest football players, basketball, whatever. But right now, I'm gonna say it's Canelo. And it has been, he probably surpasses Oscar De La Hoya for me. I loved Oscar De La Hoya as a fighter. I mean, again, not old enough to to really comment about the guys like Sugar Ray Robinson and Archie Moore. You know, so really can't say that. You know, Mike Tyson was great to watch. I enjoyed watching Mike Tyson. But for me, you know, the personal side comes into it as well, too. Teddy Atlas is a good friend of mine. So, you know, what transpired with Mike and, 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 and Teddy's uh, cousin, that, uh, you know, had an effect, uh, you know, for me with Mike. But I, I loved watching him. I loved Michael Spinks. I loved Leon Spinks. I loved those guys because, going, you know, watching them in the Olympics, you know, when I was a kid at that point in time. But really, when it was all said and done, I, I, Oscar De La Hoya, because I got a chance to cover him and got a chance to know him a little bit. So for me, I'm going to say him. But right now, Canelo Alvarez, I just think he is a he's a throwback. He's a guy that uh, is arguably the best pound for pound fighter because he can change his styles. He packs tremendous punching power. He doesn't have a big ego, and uh, you know a lot of American fans really maybe cannot resonate with him that much because he doesn't come out and speak English. But if you like his fighting style, you like a guy that takes on all comers. Canelo Alvarez, you know, so uh, I'm going relatively more modern than probably, you know, really old school. What about yourself? You know, I mean, there's a lot of them that, I mean, like I say, I mean, I used to watch a lot of boxing. I, I still do. Um, I used to love it when I was younger. I was a big Joe Frazier fan when I was younger. I mean, you know, like when Ali fought Frazier, I was one of the guys in the Frazier camp at the time. So I, I just liked his style and his ruggedness, I guess. The fact that he wasn't as tall and as big as some of the guys, but it was just total brute power. So I was a big fan of his. Aaron Pryor was a guy that I used to really like yeah. watching a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, he was a guy that I thought was very exciting. Um, so, so, you know, he'd be one of them on my list. I loved Roberto Duran. I, I, it actually kind of sickens me that everybody's always going to remember him as the Nomas fight because he's so much better than that. Mm. It's like remembering Jackie Smith in football because he dropped yeah. one pass or something. So, mm. But I, I would say maybe Frazier just because he was the first guy that I really right. latched on to. But my dark horse guy that I don't really know that he gets enough credit and a lot of people know about him would be Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor's a, a great call. I uh, got a chance to... Uh, work with his son on a couple of occasions when his son was fighting as well. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard for me, no question about it. And then, of course, uh, a lot of people here in Vegas, not too familiar, 
well, with Tony the Tiger Lopez, but uh, a friend of mine who I managed, he was a three-time world champion, and Tony's style was that, you know, kind of rock 'em sock 'em. I mean, he was, you know, great bouts against Rocky Lockridge and, and people like that, and just would come forward, and, you know, he fought, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez. He fought a lot of big-time guys, so, uh, you know, there's a shout-out to my, to my Sacramento crew. Yeah, and, and, w- and when you mentioned Canelo, too, I really like Canelo. Mm-hmm. I just wish that he wouldn't have fallen into the trap of fighting Mayweather when he did yes. that he would have waited yes. to get a little more season because he, he would beat Mayweather now no and, oh well, he's older and he, but even if he just would have waited a couple more years Mayweather yes. was like I'm, I'm I want to fight this guy for my resume mm-hmm. but if I don't get him right mm-hmm. now this guy's going to mm-hmm. be a, one of the few guys that can whoop my butt. Mm-hmm. All kudos to Mayweather for orchestrating that, but I wish Canelo's camp wouldn't yep. have fallen into the yep. spider's web. Yeah, it was hard because they thought, okay, we can pay, we take this guy, and the money they are offering at that point in time, they put a lot of pressure on Canelo and his camp to take that. But you're, but you're right. But even though Canelo lost that fight, gave a pretty good showing himself, it, it only 22 years old at that point in time, he, it didn't hurt him. It didn't hurt his pound-for-pound pound status at all. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Colby. Colby, thanks for calling. What's happening? How you doing, PC? Good, man. What's up? Not much. I just gone for those tickets. All right, man. Give me a, give me a take. Let's start with Fury Wilder. Give me a take. Oh, Fury's got to be the Fury's got to be the man. He has the best bumpers on your show. You know, the Gypsy King. <laughs> you know, he's becoming a Las Vegas guy. So Fury's going to take it all the way. All right, I like that, Colby. And uh, we're talking about favorite okay. fighters. You got one? Uh, Oscar De La Hoya back in the day. Paez. You know, James Tony oh. was one. Yeah. You know, I'm a, from the 90s. I used to get a lot of boxing matches. So those are three of my favorite fighters. There it is, man. All great guys right there. Good stuff. All right, Colby, you're going to the fights tomorrow night, my friend. Uh, awesome. Hang on. Numchuck will get all of your information. We appreciate you calling. We appreciate you listening, my man. Thank you very much. All right, there it is. Colby, a winner. Real simple. That's I want it. to throw in one more name, too, on my yeah. short list. Another guy out there that, that I was a big fan of his because he was exciting and always put on entertaining fights. Sweet P. Pernell Whitaker, yeah. I mean, he was fun to watch. Yeah. In his heyday when he was at his best, he, he, he I thought he was really good. All right. Yeah, no question about that. No, I, I love Pernell Whitaker. A lot of those guys that we're talking about, too, at least me, we're not talking about a bunch of heavyweights. And, you know, heavyweights was the thing, you know, back in the day. But so let's say if you are, you know, in your 30s, anywhere from basically from 30 to 45 years old, you really you didn't have any marquee heavyweights that you could really say. Hey, uh, this is this is my guy. I want to watch him. I want to follow him. And you could talk about the Klitschko's, but again, you know, th- there is that barrier. If you are from America, you you really don't latch on to the European fighters, or you might even might not even resonate with the Mexican fighters. I actually always kind of felt sorry for Larry Holmes because he didn't have that great opponent to bring out how great he he was. So good, but he beat everybody so easily that I almost think people held it against him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, Larry Holmes was phenomenal and very, very underrated. And you know, it took him a little while to get into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. But yeah, again, he, you know, again, when you when you come off, you know, you know that era of Ali, uh, you beat Ali. You know, that caused a little animosity with people as well too. Well, you know? and and he was kind of begging him to end the fight beforehand. He yeah. he said that was like the worst night of his life. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you had that era too with Ali. You mentioned Frazier throwing Kenny Norton. Okay, um, you know you got guys 
that were all well, Jerry like kind of Corey was Jerry really Corey. good back then. Even a guy, like, yeah. a guy who wasn't that great, but he was. Uh, do you talk about Mike skills in that? Oscar Benavides, if he would have been a better, if he would have been a better actual fighter, his talk and trash and everything else. I mean, he was made for today's era. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely correct. All right, so yes, we will. Uh, we will uh, give away more boxing tickets as well. Now hit us on Twitter as well too. We'll do a Twitter contest as well, and we will uh, announce that uh, winner via Twitter tomorrow morning so you got some time with that hit us on twitter at tc martin 21 just ask you to follow and then also just uh, give us a quick take on fury wilder or your favorite fighter of all time and we'll put you ringside uh tomorrow night pretty much ringside okay because of the way they have the uh, the ring there you're not getting onto the stage but you're uh, seeing everything no matter where you are yeah, and, and yeah. you're pretty darn close here but but again it, the old joint the new theater whatever you want to call it yeah. the ring is kind of in the middle it's not up on the stage or something so yeah you you're going to you're going to have a birds eye view all right all right so hit us on twitter at tc martin 21 a fury wilder take as well as a favorite fighter of all time or either one of those uh, we are all good with that all right so Tonight, we get ready for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. It is game number three. There is some breaking news with this, and we will start diving into uh, breaking this game down. We'll talk about it from a betting aspect as well, too, next hour. Chuck Esposito is going to join us here at Sunset Station. But when you look at uh, the Montreal Canadiens' uh, head coach, uh, he is in COVID protocol. It sounds right, right now he will not be coaching the Canadiens. Now, they... Uh, canceled a press conference for the coach earlier this morning. He is isolating following irregularities in COVID testing. Like we said, Montreal canceled the uh, the pregame press conference. Now, he did have his second dose, uh, his COVID uh, vaccination, on June the 9th. Not sure of the status right now. Before we came on the air, we weren't sure of the status, but it seems like now he may not be coaching. Do you have any other information? Uh, the, the last date that I, the last update that I heard was that they're going to test him throughout the day today. But he did have a positive test. Um, so right now he's being isolated from the team. It's looking like he's there's a good chance he's not going to be behind the bench tonight. He's not with any of the players or anything. And if he does test positive for the COVID, and it's not like just trace testing or something like that, uh, he could be out ten days. So basically. If it is a positive test and it doesn't come back a false positive, season's or something, over. He he he's done for this series. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. <laughs> now now, can the team rally around him and say win one for the coach? Can they turn it into a positive? Will his X's and O's on the bench be something different? Can the assistants bring the same intensity and gamesmanship during the game, making the changes that he had? I mean, he's done a pretty good job. Remember, Claude Julian was the uh, coach of them until he got fired in February. Right. So Desharm. Ducharme took the, over. Well, he still is the interim coach. Yeah, so yeah. he's the interim coach, but he's done a phenomenal job with them this year. But yeah, right now, uh, Dominique uh, Ducharme, right? Yeah, forty-eight-year-old yeah. uh, got a second dose, like you mentioned, on June 9th, but still tested positive, and we're, we're waiting to see if there's any updates. But right now, it looks like he will not be behind the bench, and if he's not behind the bench tonight, he could be done for this series. There's always a question when you talk about hockey. How important is a coach? And I'm I'm a believer that, that coaching is huge, no matter what sport. And a lot of times in in hockey and even soccer, you know, people kind of discount you know the coach uh, because you know, like especially like in soccer, they think, well, there's not a lot of in-game decisions. There really is, just because the the, the pace is a little bit slower. There's not that that, that much scoring, but uh, there there is. Coaching is huge. 
How, how important is this for them to lose their head coach, even though he's an interim coach, but he's been their head coach basically since February the 24th, if, if he is not there tonight, especially now that they're back home? Well, I, I think it's really important because, like you mentioned, uh, there is that thing. In a series, especially from two teams that haven't played each other for basically two years until these last two games, adjustments in-game and things are, are, are very important at this point of the season. We saw it, and if you don't think coaching is important – Ask uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Golden Misfits what Barry Trotz meant behind the bench for Washington season one. Mm-hmm. And again, I know that's not what people want to hear about. Vegas had the, the one-game lead. They won the first game. They got the first goal in the second game. Barry Trotz made some adjustments. And the Golden Knights and Gerard Gallant, as much as I like the guy and I think he's really good, had no answers for it. Uh, Montreal played a much better game in game two. They got the feel a little bit now. Even if it's not so much that he can do something spectacular behind the bench, and certainly Petrie being back in the lineup was a big reason why Montreal looked so much better the last game too. But when you have that guy that you believe in, when your general's not there all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a difference. There's a confidence difference out there. So I think it's a big change for the Canadian players going to the bench and not seeing Deshaun there tonight if he's not there. So the big news here is that, you know, this test was actually administered here in Vegas. And we know what's been going on in Canada. No fans, for the most part, have been able to go to any of those games. Very limited here over the last, you know, the last series, the last few weeks. Yeah, they just but, opened it up to the 18,000. Right, right. So if, he, if they administered this test here in Vegas and he's positive, there is that possibility the players could be positive. Can you hear the people in Canada blaming the Americans are blaming here Las Vegas. Oh, I hey, can Las definitely Ve- see you know, that. Las Vegas. And there, there's a good possibility that he did, you know, uh, contract this here in Vegas. Oh, it's possible he contracted it here. Also, if he tested positive here, I don't know how much time he spent with the players, but they flew back on the same plane. I know. Now, no, no testers are on the, are on the uh, protocol list as of right now. They said further tests will uh, continue to look at this because I know a couple hours ago there was this question: well, Will the game go on tonight? Could the game possibly, you know, be postponed? But as of right now, that's not the case, and no other players right now we're hearing have tested positive or in that protocol. But their head coach is. And and one other thing too that uh, maybe Vegas certainly definitely Vegas has more of a interest in it than anybody else, and we'll get that from Chuck when we speak with him. Right. What's it do to the line? Yeah, right. Exactly. Currently, right now, the Golden Knights a uh, dollar sixty-five favorite. So we'll dive more into that. All right. Sunset Station here on this Friday. TC Martin, VGK Frank, we're doing it for you. Thank Bob Aaron for joining us uh, this hour and uh, talking a little boxing and uh, getting ready for the fight uh, tomorrow night at the Virgin. The next, Monster. Next hour, we talk VGK. NBA playoffs and the lovely Dr. Christina Madison will join us as well too. We'll talk uh, some more COVID information with her too. Get her thoughts on everything. But we are live at Sunset Station. Don't forget the VGK watch party tonight at 5 o'clock. We invite you to come on out and join us. Frank and I will be there. Brian Blessing hosting. Chuck Esposito. Plenty of great prizes here at Sunset Station. Face off. 5 o'clock. Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. Doors at four. Yep, doors at four. All right, back with more on the other side. Hour number two coming your way. Huh. Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. Scott!
It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartone. Right up front. Yager fed inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on this Friday, hour number two. We are live from Sunset Station, the STN Sports Studio here, right by the sports book, and of course, Club Madrid. And tonight, come on out and join us at 5 o'clock. We've got the VGK Watch Party. It is happening here. The Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens. The series now shifts to Montreal for game number three. Remember, faceoff is 5 o'clock tonight. Doors open here at 4 o'clock, and it's a great opportunity to win a bunch of prizes. Uh, you come in, they'll give you a ticket. There's no cover charge. Uh, you got great food and uh, drink options as well. The big screen TVs inside Club Madrid. Nice uh, atmosphere inside there. But, yeah, um, they have drawings. Uh, our good friend Brian Blessing, who is on before us here, he'll be hosting along with Chuck Esposito here, the sportsbook director at Station Casinos. And, uh, yeah, you, good chance that you're going to win some great prizes. And I, I was, I don't want to say I was blown away when, it, when I went to the watch party last week. It was, it was amazing, the prizes that uh, they're giving away. VGK, um, you know, memorabilia. Uh, they got, uh, you know, Power Play Sports. They're out here, take, uh, you know, giving some stuff away. Some food content. And the and stuff. food stuff, of course, here at Sunset Station, which, you know, that goes right to the top of my list. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, will you take a picture of your winning certificate before you got the food with it? No, no, no. See, I won't take uh, pictures of, of certificates, just the actual food itself. Okay. But you take pictures of winners when they win stuff from you when you're at remote sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah. When I'm doing a remote, okay. and, and of course, yeah, exactly. But you know, Something tells myself. me Brian might be prepping himself for tonight's remote by um, watching a couple horse races right now. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> There's, there's, there's. I'd say the probability is rather high. Yeah, I think you're probably Brian right. Brian likes the ponies. Well, and I do, too. I mean, I love horse racing. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, a little Friday afternoon action in, in the in the sports book. Him yeah. and Cart might be there together. They, yeah. they both like the horses, <laughs> you know, the different tracks and that. So, I mean, like I say, I love horse racing, so I, I'm not knocking them at all for it. So, I, I haven't been that guy for a long time that would sit in the sports book which I guess, just don't have the time to do it, and, and bet the, the horse races. Like, when I bet... The Belmont, you know, I bet, get in, go out, watch it yeah. at home, that sort of thing. But, you know, back in the day, uh, again, I used to spend a lot of time at the track like you did as well, too. Now, that's fun, you know, making a day of it. Oh, yeah. I, and, I used to love going and, out. And, you know, and we, we talked with Marco D'Angelo when he was with us a couple of weeks ago as well, too, for the Triple Crown, talking about, hey, you know, Del Mar, you know, the opening day at Del Mar, you know, fantastic. And uh, the last track I went to was Del Mar, not last year, obviously, because of COVID, but the year prior to that. Um just loved it. I mean, loved it. And that was my first time at Del Mar. So I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, spending the day at the track. And I remember, like, building up to that, you know, when I planned on going, I was really looking forward to it because it's been a lot of years since I actually spent, like, a whole day at the track. So, and especially Del Mar because then, you know. I it's got, got all the ambiance. Yeah. And the I mean, they still play Bing Crosby's where the turf meets the surf before <laughs> the things yeah. go up. It's a little scratchy, kind of like the record was or something. But, it's but yeah, it's interesting. And then you, you just see all the celebrities and everything else out there. It's not just going to the racetrack to watch horse racing. And then you look over and the ocean's right flowing in when you're up in the mm-hmm. upper st- oh, decks yeah. and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's a beautiful setting. It's the one place I've gone where I've lost money and actually didn't mind so much. I 
I agree. I agree. Exactly. And then... And I've done good at Santa Anita and other tracks. Yeah. Delmar has fooled me. I <laughs> haven't done well there, but I still enjoy going down there. Yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to... Uh... To go to the barn area and the, you know the the stables, the paddocks, and all that kind of stuff as well is, is really really cool. And again, you know, got great restaurants not far from there as well too. That whole area. So uh, the ideal day in San Diego for me is going to Del Mar in the in the afternoon in a Padres game at night. And then and know, I've done that. And then LA Day. I, I've done that myself. You and I both have done that. Yeah. And the other thing about Del Mar too is make sure when you're driving around there, be a little extra cautious. Because everybody's riding a bicycle. Yeah. They're, they're also, they're such health mongers out there. <laughs> they're all either walking or riding bikes. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but man, it's like, I guess if you live by the ocean, you want that beach body. So, <laughs> you know, and I go there and I'm like, what are all these people doing? Where can I get a burger? <laughs> <laughs> Coronado, man. I just I love Coronado. I mean, I, I've got a Mexican spot there that, that I really like. And just you want to walk around, talk about the, the bikes, people always biking or walking, you know, along the ocean there. Fantastic. Yeah, I like San Diego. You've got a pretty no, good no, zoo, no too, if you're into that kind of stuff. If you are, absolutely. Do. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, so the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens game number three. What do we expect to see in this game tonight, outside of the COVID stuff that we had talked about with the Montreal Canadiens uh, and their coach who has tested positive for COVID, uh, we don't think any other players are going to be affected here, but they will probably be without their coach behind the bench here tonight. But let's go back to game two. Um, I think a lot of us thought that the Golden Knights would be having a 2 nothing lead coming into game number three, and uh, that uh, that is not the case. As Montreal was more aggressive they were played more smarter. They, uh, again, didn't uh, spend all that time in the box like they did in game one. They ended up uh, scoring two goals in the first period. Then they tacked on a third goal uh, midway through the second period. It was 3 nothing. And then at that point in time, it's like, wow, how are the Golden Knights going to come back? And they nearly did. I mean, it was 3-1, then it became 3-2, and that was the final score. You know, if the game would have, you know, extended maybe another two or three or five minutes, you know, potentially maybe they send the game into OT. But uh, it was Montreal's night that night. Carey Price was better than Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury was better than Carey Price in Game 1. So now what I'm curious to see is what's going to happen here in Game 3. And remember, 18,000-plus at T-Mobile Arena, we are not going to see that at the Bell Center in Montreal. I believe, and I think you said it yesterday, the max is, what, 3,500? And and they're increasing it to that. It was 2,500 before I remember, but I, I, I couldn't watch these games early on because I was tired of seeing the red tarp, you know, with the logo and all that stuff especially after going to T-Mobile and everything. No, I just, because even T-Mobile, remember we had, you know, before that was 12,000, before that it was 9,000. No, it was, uh, I I don't want to be looking at that tonight. And really, how much of a home ice advantage are the Montreal Canadiens really going to have tonight with only 3,500 in attendance? Now they're playing with confidence. I get that because they, they got a victory. And this is a team that won seven straight before the Golden Knights beat them in game one. But home ice advantage, how much... For the Canadians tonight. Well, I don't know that it's that big of a home ice advantage from the from the fan base because, like you mentioned, there's not going to be a lot of fans, although I'm sure the fans that are there are going to be rampant. But if there is a home ice advantage, it's that Montreal knows their stadium a lot better than the Vegas Golden Knights do. Uh, the reports are that Montreal's got some of the fastest, if not the fastest ice in the entire league. That can help guys like Nizuki, uh, Suzuki, excuse me, 
uh, Nick Suzuki. I somehow was going to say Nizuki, but Nick Suzuki, right. uh, uh, you know, him and some of the other guys. So, you know, it could help guys like him. But Vegas also has a lot of speed out there. The other thing is the boards in Montreal are very lively. So watch for them to try to use some stretch passes maybe or something else or try to bounce it. Yeah, remember that goal that Tuck did where he, he, he turned around and he spun and he wasn't even trying to hit the net, but Petrangelo came in. Look for Montreal to do that kind of stuff tonight. And maybe Vegas can uh, take advantage of that too, but they're not as comfortable there because they haven't been there in two seasons. But that would be the home ice, would be the actual ice and the boards and everything else around there. Not sure how much the fan base is going to... It's going to sound like crickets compared to the 18,000 yeah, at T-Mobile. No doubt. All right. All right. Join us now is our good friend from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Heidi Fang. Heidi, what's going on, girl? Hey, man. Hey. Glad to be back. Happy to be here. It is my wedding. My phone's in. I'm like, who this? <laughs> and then it was my boy Nunchuck. So oh. I was like, yeah, come on. Yeah. What's up, girl? How you doing? What's uh, you know, oh. we we got some, we got some boxing tomorrow night. We're we gonna see your face in the place of the Virgin. <laughs> you know, my face was in the place today, but yeah, I'm hustling. I'm moving. I I got shaking going on and baking, and then <laughs> so I went down there today to check out the wins and do some some uh, photos over there. Uh, but to be honest, I have family visiting in town this week. Family I haven't seen in two years. That couldn't come back to the states. It's finally back in the states, so you know I got to be a real one. Be wow. with the family more. Wow, I understand. Boring. All right, well, stay hydrated <laughs> while you're out, out shaking and baking. Stay hydrated, would you? I think everybody's baking right now out here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're in lion. It's like walking in an oven, TC Frank. Man. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. All right, we were talking to Golden Knights in Montreal tonight, game number three. Give me uh, some thoughts, Heidi. What do you think? So, so important that they don't play just the second and the third period. Yes. And we don't see a repeat of what we saw in game two, right? Because, uh, you know, these guys are so defensive. There's so much physicality from this Montreal team, and they're hungry. They're after it. So, like, I think a lot of people thought once the Knights got past Minnesota, once they got past Colorado, that it was going to be smooth skating, right? But here we go, and the Canadians came to play, and the first game you saw that physicality, right? So now it's time for these guys to really um, bring the pressure early, and they got to make that presence known because I think once you they get going, it's a little too late. And when uh, the Canadians are playing like they are with as many shot on goals as they're taking. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a very, very important game. The Knights have to take one away on the road to get ahead of this, uh, uh, what the Canadians are putting out there, definitely. Well, you know, Heidi, you mentioned something there, too, and it seems like in every series everybody always talks about how important the first goal in a game is. Obviously, in the Colorado series, that wasn't necessarily the case, even in the Minnesota series to some extent. But with this team here, when you saw game one and you saw game two, you saw two completely different Canadian teams on the ice. When they're coming from behind and they have to try to get offensive, their defense suffers a little bit and the other team gets some more opportunities. But when they do have that lead, first it was the one goal, then two goals, and once they got up three goals, they really clamped it down. They dare you to try to beat them and carry Price out there. So getting a lead on this team is very important, maybe more important than almost any other team in the league. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, the Knights, uh, you know, three of four uh, in, in the last four years, they've made it through three times to this level of the playoffs. And to be able to see them uh, get that cup, I think it's so like one of those things, obviously, that every team wants to accomplish, right? That's the end game in any sport is to get the championship. 
But I think for this team that's had such a high-caliber level team that can play the way that they do uh, year after year, this is the year for them that they really need to, to – to prove it, to get that Stanley Cup. I mean, hey, they've made it, I think, so much farther than anybody would have thought in a crazy year, right, with COVID and the shortened season and everything that was going to happen. But when you start thinking about how do they build the legacy, well, it's got to start with the Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at game one to game two, we saw adjustments. Montreal made the adjustments. And a lot of us got fooled, and a lot of the betters got fooled as well, too, because there was such a, the Knights were such a heavy favorite in Game 1, and they, and they were just as heavy a favorite in Game 2. And then Montreal shocked a lot of people. Again, in the Golden Knights had that kind of first period, like you talked about, where they kind of went, went sleepwalking. Where are the adjustments going to come from Peter DeBoer as we go now from Game 2 to Game 3 in the location changes? You know, maybe they do mix around some lines, you know, get some of the guys that are really shaking right now, move around some of the lines. But I don't know, you know, how he would do that best. Uh, I think that with some of the adjustments, they always seem to make the right ones when it's necessary. And, uh, you know, I want to see... I think all of the lines have good I'm trying to go through all the lines in my head right now. I think all of them have guys that are very solid. But when you start thinking about, you know, who really needs to step up, I, it's just, I think, a matter of all of them having the the right momentum to click at the same time, if you know what I mean. There's really not anybody that's lacking by any means. But I think that there's a way that if they can all get on the, the same type of physicality, the same type of level at the same time on each line, then that would definitely help the case for pushing the tempo for the game earlier on. And I think a lot of that comes out of the leader of the team, you know, Mark Stone, that sets the pace, that gets these guys rallied up. I mean, and you always see, you know, with Flurry, how he's able to communicate with the guys and, and get them shaken as well. So I think they're the two leaders on this team. And it starts there when you're on the ice and getting these guys in the right mindset before they go out. Well, and when you're talking about the lines, too, the question mark tonight is, is Chandler Stevenson back in the lineup? If he's not, is it we saw Nick Waugh start out with Pacioretty and Stone, then Keegan Colasar played there. He played fairly well, but it kind of changes where yeah. everybody slots in. And, and it's yep. not a big concern because it's only two games into the series, but of all the goals they've had, only one of them have been from one of the uh, forwards in, and that was uh, Janmark's goal when Alex Tuck shot the puck. Everything's been coming from the defensemen. So when you talk yeah. about the lines, who's going to step up, I, I, I agree with you. Every one of them has to step up because right now they're not getting enough production. They're not getting very many shots. I, I think the defensemen have as many shots as the forwards did in the last game. The, the forwards have to step up more, and they've got to make it more difficult for Carey Price getting in front of the net and making him try to find the puck. Like Petrangelo's first goal in the last game, there was five or six guys in front of him. He never saw that puck. If Carey Price sees it, he's stopping it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's like you said, I like what we've seen out of uh, Keegan. Or, you know, and I, I think that he's somebody that's young on this team and uh, has got a lot of, of – wind under his sails he's got he's got the durability to go through uh, no matter where they put him and when they put him into the game so i've liked what i've seen out of him he's definitely got some spark to him so yeah i think you're you're absolutely right frank all right heidi fang joins us las vegas review journal covers uh, many many things for the rj from the ufc to the boxing to the raiders and speaking of which heidi i know you have you been hanging out uh there in the heat in henderson out at the uh, raiders facility as we had a little mini camp this week so uh talk to me about that 
Yeah, it was exciting. You know, I think when you look at the Raiders team, there have been a work in progress here. Um, what was difficult for them last year, I think, and especially for a lot of the rookies, is not having the offseason program, but this season they get it. So when you have that and the ability to build the camaraderie, the ability to work together, to see where the strengths and weaknesses are in this team, especially because they've got that new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley, I think this is a team that couldn't have benefited more from having an off-season program. And in the heat, <laughs> man, just when you learn who your friends and your enemies are is when you got to do things in 120-degree weather. Who can sink? Who can swim? Who's going to be the one that, that is not going to make it, you know, through the tough times? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see a lot of the um, strong links standing out. And then I even saw some that I'm wondering – if they're going to be starters next year uh, in this coming season, I mean, because of what I saw. So there's uh, a lot of interesting, you know, talking points in there. I don't know where you want to go. You know, guys, you, you tell me where, where you want to start with that because no, there's a lot of you know, that, I'll tell you that. what, this is, a, this is the grab bag, the potpourri, call it whatever you want. I mean, you tell me <laughs> what you, what you've noticed. I mean, you've been out there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tell me, tell me what you, what, uh, what you think is, is the hot button topic there. <laughs> For sure. You know, I think um, when, when I started out and I looked at um, Max Crosby, he came in in shape. He is lean and mean right now, and he is light on his feet. He's making the quick adjustments when they're hitting those tackle posts. I like what I've seen out of him, and I think he's learning a lot under working with people like Yannick Ngakwe, working with people like Solomon Thomas, who everyone remembers was the number three pick a few years back when the 49ers picked him, and, and you know after that went Mahomes. And <laughs> a lot of people say you know he gave criticism to the Niners after that pick, but. He's been, you know, through some experiences that all of this team can benefit from. And you see on the other end, on the secondary, I'm looking at Damon Arnett, and he's kind of looking like he's taking a back seat on things. Like, I don't know if he's just trying to confuse me or if he's not putting forward all of his effort because of the heat, but I'm wondering when I see a guy like Damon Arnett, kind of wandering the sidelines and looking like he's taking in things but not applying them as much as some of the others are, that like Trayvon Mullen or uh, Isaiah Johnson, some of the others that have been on this team for a few years now that are young on the younger end, they're, they're picking up the pace. But I'm wondering what's going on with Damon Arnett. So I don't know if he's kind of injured, and for now, you know, they're not listing it on the injury report any sort, and he's just kind of taking a back seat or what the case may be, but... Man, that's uh, kind of a curious point. And then you see guys standing out um, in the wide receiver group. There's so much to take from the different wide receivers. You can see Henry Ruggs starting to learn the routes a little cleaner. You can see Hunter Renfro working as a mentor with him. He's talking to him a lot on the sideline. And I think if there's somebody who can teach you a route and help you apply it well, it's going to be Hunter Renfro. And then you see John Brown, who they're already calling Smoke. I tell you, if you got a nickname this early in the game from a team that you just came over to, yeah, somebody's going to light some wheels on fire. So I like what I've seen out of John Brown early. And, yeah, this this offense, this defense is a, a lot of takeaways, and I'm just barely touching the tip of the iceberg, man. You know, Heidi, when it comes to the Raiders, uh, obviously in their division, 
KC's still the team to beat out there. There's question marks about the other clubs. Uh, one thing that I've heard some people joking about is, well, we know they're not going to be 500 this year because there's 17 games. I guess technically there could be a tie, but they probably won't be one. But what is the realistic expectations for this team? Where do you see them finishing? Are they above 500? Are they below 500? Are they a playoff team? Are they still on the cusp of we don't know? Yeah, of course they have to be a playoff team this year for it to be the team that everybody wants it to be. But they have a really tough schedule ahead, I think. When you start off the season with the Ravens and the Steelers, the Steelers being on the road, Ravens Monday Night Football, that's a lot of pressure to start off the season. Then you go down the the pipe here, you know, and you obviously have the Chiefs twice. That's going to be tough either way you look at it, whether it's home or away. Um and in the end of the year, you're going into Arrowhead. You're going into Cleveland. You're going into the Colt Stadium, which at least that one filmed. But the, when you start traveling back east and dealing with teams on a, on a short week between some of these ones that happen uh, later on in the season and uh, games that aren't yet determined, because with the Browns, it could be either a six-day week or it could be a seven-day week. But Still, you're going back east and you're resetting your body clock and you're going through these things and you're facing teams that have been in the playoffs, man. That isn't going to be an easy road. So, obviously, like you said, they're not going to go 500. But right now when I look at it and I think of of what is possible, I'd like to see if they can surprise me because as I look at it, I'm seeing a team that has nine wins. All right, Heidi, let's see. John Brown is smoke. Heidi Fang, yeah. she has a nickname. What is it? I don't know. Come on. we got. And, and what do the Raiders call you? I mean, come on. You're hanging out with these guys. What's John Green? What do, they, what do they call you? You have to have a nickname. And, you know, and I'm the king of nicknames. I give everyone a nickname. I'm not sure if I've given Heidi Fang a nickname ever. I've got to give her one. The guys call me Queen. The boxing guys, when they see me, they're like, what's up, Queen? That's queen? what I get from them. I get queen Fang. Queen. There's Queen Fang. <laughs> Queen Heidi. I used to have, I have so many nicknames, man. Uh, Fang Face is one of them. I don't know why people said that. But wait, wait, which one? I, I used what? To get that. Fang Face. Like, show Fang? me Fang Face. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. Maybe I don't think that's very really complimentary at all. Phrase. I know, right? There's so many weird nicknames I've had that throughout the years. Fanger has always been a consistent one. Um, <laughs> do, do you have one that you prefer? That you like? That you endorse? Man, I have to be given. I don't think you just can give yourself your own nickname. Well, no, I don't, I don't mean that you gave yourself. Somebody that called you in, hey, I can go with that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, this could be to be continued. I'm going to have to write down a list. I've had so many different nicknames throughout the years. I'm not even kidding. I used to do an MMA show. Um, they called me Karate Hottie, but then I said, I can't be called Karate Hottie because that's already taken. Michelle yeah, yeah. Watterson, M- Michelle Watterson you might have to get in the cage with her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be funny. Like My grappling is level zero. I did take some grappling classes because I wanted to know what I was doing and what I was talking about and movement and position and all of that stuff. Um, but it, I tell you, she would whoop my butt in that. <laughs> well, <laughs> your, your grappling might be zero, but mine is spectator. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, if we're just talking street brawling, I can get that. I can get at that. Let's go. All right, all right Heidi. Uh, I, I got one for you. See, as the whispers would say, it'd be, it's, it's, a, it's a fang thing. Instead of, it's a love thing. It's a fang thing. Come on. I wish Nubchuck could play, but he's back in the studio. See, she knows it. You know, <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about. There's my old school girl. There what is. if you just combine yeah. the boxing and Fang face, but you don't like? What if it was just Queen Fang? Yeah, <laughs> oh, it could work. That could work. That could work. Mm. I, I used I used to go with it's your Fang. Ow, There's, what you wanna do? There, you know what song uh, I'm talking about? Of course. <laughs> We're covering all the fights and the See, contact I, sports you do in that. You know, I mean, Queen Fang. You know, lovely to look at, but beware the bite. <laughs> oh, Frank, with the motto and everything. It's your Winner. fang. There it is. It's your fang. <laughs> do what you want to do. Uh, we can do this all day, Heidi. We can do this. Forget sports. We really could. You know, we could just have a whole fun Friday of it. I'm glad. It's funny. I'm sitting here and I'm editing pictures of in uh, in a way and this Marinas, and yes. I get this phone call and it's what? Okay, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Oh, I love it. All right. So you were at the weigh-ins. Uh, give me your thoughts of the monster. How did he look? Oh, he looked good, man. You know, he's ready. I, I like to always think that there's a challenger that's going to bring him some heat. But I look at Desmarinas and no, no, no. no. Hey, Desmarinas isn't no, bringing no smoke. One. He ain't bringing no smoke either, okay? Nope. No heat no. or no smoke. Yeah. yeah. You see all the, uh, the the body shots that he brings, accuracy, you know, and, and you just look at this guy standing next to him weighing in. You're like, oh, man. It's nice that you showed up. <laughs> yeah, right. Come get your check. <laughs> Go cash your check at the cage and get out of here. See you later. Do, do you have any idea where he, where does he get the power from being a 118-pounder? I mean, usually when you think of the monster, you think of Fury or Wilder or the big guys out there or whatever. You know, when you think of the monster, you don't think of a 118-pounder that hits like a heavyweight. Right. He's got that center fusion. That's what I'm going to call it. And, you know, he, he works his body from his core so well that it's like when you think about precision and he just brings the right angles to be able to generate it. And it's crazy to watch because it's like you said, exactly the power that he has isn't what you see at the lighter weight classes. And, you know, it's like I remember – Seeing uh, a UFC fighter, her name's Angela Hill, back when she fought Muay Thai, and she's 115 pounds, and that's what she fights at in the UFC. And back, I think in this fight, she might have been even a little lighter. And when she went and threw a right hook and laid a girl out flat cold, I was like, no way. <laughs> no way. And it's the same thing with Inouye. He has the, the ability to generate from his core, from his center fusion, and, and really at a placement at the right time with the right inertia coming at him. I mean, it's just, there's no way that, you know, you can stop it. It's, it's amazing what he does. It really is. All right. We're looking forward to that. Uh, tomorrow night at the Virgin Hotels, the monster in action, in a way. Looking oh, no. forward to it. The monster. And, you, you know, I'm really bummed. A lot of people are going to be bummed, Heidi, because, you know, when we go to the fights, we're, we're hanging out in the media and we can, we can do this, but we've got, 
uh, a bunch of tickets that that were given away, and Frank's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Your boy Armando's going to be there. Uh, we could actually just have like hang out in the crowd and actually have a good time tomorrow night with you and your whole crew. I mean, heck, I think Armando could probably even bring the cornhole there, and you know, in, in between fights, you know, you know, down the aisle way there, you know. Instead of the TC Martin show, it's the TC Martin row. That's it. Exactly. It's going to be exactly. And so I'm really bummed. So you know, you've got about 26 hours, girl, to to you know change some plans at least for a couple yeah. hours. Like, we, come on, we now. need a queen. That's it. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> They've got you, man. I have to see what I can do, shake some things around. But you know, I haven't seen them in two years with my family. I understand. And, and that's the difference between a, you, you, you're, you're longing to see your family you haven't seen in two years. I'm praying I don't see mine for another two years. <laughs> <laughs> that's joyful Frank, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Or perfectly Frank. Yes. Perfectly Frank. <laughs> Not sugar-coated at all. <laughs> All right, girl, we'll let you get back to work there, okay? And uh, we'll look forward to your stuff. Go ahead and plug away. Where can everyone check out uh, what you're doing there at the RJ? Oh, man. So right now I've got a podcast up where we looked at the Kurt Warner breakdown on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And that is on the VegasNation.com site. And you just go to the free podcast. You don't even have to subscribe to the RJ to listen. Just go to the free podcast and then go to all the way down and check it out right there. Um, but if you want to subscribe to the RJ, go to mylvrj.com slash bang, and, uh, you know, you can uh, sign up right there and get all of your Raiders news all day, all the time. That's where you go. Slash bang. You like that. Oh, and add Heidi Bang on Twitter. There it is. Sorry, I forgot it. That's solid. <laughs> That's solid, girl. I appreciate it. All right. Be good. And, uh, you know, you let us know if you can happen to, just, you know, get away for a couple hours. You let us know. You know? All right, man. I'll be there. We really got to get together and have some sort of cornhole tournament. I've got to up my game, though, because Frank saw the disaster uh, that I put out there. I did you know, not so. want to bring that up, but since you okay. did, you know, I, 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 I heard. I keep it real. That's what, that's, I keep it real. That's what we heard. I don't know. I, I must say, <laughs> I... I I knew that you guys took cornhole serious. I didn't know it was like forty-six rounds or whatever. I mean, it's like it's a whole full-blown tournament. It's like cricket, is what it, you're saying, it, it, right? If you were to film you it for, for ESPN, you would definitely have to edit it down. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, I'm gonna bring a babysitter with me because it's hard to like. You saw my kids all over the place, right, Frank? It's hard to keep him, you know, busy and occupied while I'm trying to play. So it's like, you know, I think that's been um. Mm. That's Something what, that they deliberately try to distract. There's the blame. So Look at the I'm blame game. Is go, blame game's going on the kids now. Look at no, this. It's, there's it's a lot of kids running game. around there. I mean, it's an adult party, but it's also a kid family party. It's a cornhole party. It's a watching UFC and boxing and everything else on TV. Yeah. It encompasses yeah. a lot of stuff. All right, we'll, we'll create yeah, our own it's very cornhole party. What they do with my son, I'm telling you, tactical, tactical moves. I love it. All right, Heidi, we appreciate you. We'll let you get back to work. Uh, Great talking with you, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. You bet. Anytime, guys. I want to see that Queen Fang caricature and see what that looks like. That can be your new emblem on your Twitter and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. There she is. Heidi Fang, catch her at the RJ. There you go. Uh, she covers it all. Does a fantastic job with all the combat sports, whether it's MMA, the UFC, 
boxing. Football's kind of a contest sport. I mean, it, there it's it is. a combat sport. Well, that's, that's why. That's why. You know. And do you hear her talking about this stuff? It's like, oh man, yeah, the power all the, into oh, the yeah. ribs. You know. Well, oh, yeah. When she was like, talking yeah. about Hill, it's like this little girl, hundred front, bam, yeah, just right. knocks him out. And I was like, yeah, I, I saw her fight. She's. I've interviewed her on the MMA red carpet. Yeah. She, you know. Don't judge the book by the cover. <laughs> Heidi does a great job covering the Raiders as well, too. So check that out at the RJ. All right. When we come back, Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us. We'll talk what's happening here in Vegas, COVID protocols, all kinds of great stuff. We are live here at the Sunset Station, STN Sports Studios here. What's get, her nickname? Um, that, that is a good question. You've ever put me. The, the, I mean, yeah, she is the good doctor. You, you, no question. You got a break call, to to think it I over know. through. I've always just called her the good doctor. But you're right. We'll have to we'll have to come up yeah, something. There's a lot of doctors on this show. This is <laughs> only two, I think. Well, there's Doc Sports that also oh, Scott works with. That's you true. know, that's true. You talk about Doctor J a lot. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it's you know. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Good company. Initials and doctors are all over the show. This is true. <laughs> with a lot of nicknames and a lot of music. There you go. All right, we're back at Sunset Station. Glad to have you with us here on this fabulous Friday. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, live from Sunset Station here on this Friday, big sports weekend. We got the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens tonight, and uh, on the road in Montreal, game number three. You know what that means? That means it's a watch party here at Sunset Station. Come and check it out here tonight. The door is open here at four o'clock when we're done, but uh, face off a little bit after five o'clock. Great prizes to be given away as well too. Admission is totally free. Come on, and check it out. Frank and I will be out here. Brian Blessing. Be hosting along with Chuck Esposito here at Sunset Station. Great, great, great prizes to give away from from food to memorabilia for the Golden Knights. All kinds of good stuff. And watch it on the big screen. Have a good time here tonight at Sunset Station. Game number three. Yes, we have ourselves a series. What to expect tonight. So if we really like the Golden Knights in game two, why wouldn't we love them in game three tonight? Well, we wouldn't love them in Game 3 because it was all they did in Game 2. Yeah. You know, I mean, that they are susceptible to losing, yeah. that they don't know necessarily how to uh, take advantage and come from behind against mm-hmm. this particular team. Uh, there is the late, uh, there's another report coming out uh, just a few minutes ago from AP Sports that uh, the coach of the Canadians, uh, Dominique Ducharme, has, uh, he tested positive just hours before the game, so it looks yeah. like they have tested him during the day, so it looks like it is still a positive test that he's been having. So, you know, right now it looks like he will not be behind the bench for tonight. Will it be a 10-day isolation that he has to do? Will he be quarantined? I don't know about that. But as of right now, it does appear that Montreal will be without their head coach yeah. for tonight's game. Yeah. That could be big. All right. Speaking of COVID, our resident expert in the house, Dr. Christina Madison, looking lovely as usual. How are you doing? Well, other than the fact that it is crazy hot outside. Stay I'm hydrated, doing, girl. Stay hydrated. I'm doing fantastic, especially because I'm here with you two. You know what? I think this is the first time in a long time I've seen her without mask on. She's maskless. I know. Look at I this. Know. How are you and feeling this about this? Is jumping. Oh my I... goodness! I barely was able to get in because they're oh. getting super excited about the VGK watch party. There you go. All Doors right. at four. No, right. there's See... already a line. So, how are you feeling about um, seeing that everybody is 
kind of back to normal. We're back to 2019. We've got 18,000 plus at T-Mobile Arena. People are walking around everywhere pretty much maskless. Uh, do you think it's still soon for that? What What are your thoughts when you see this? So I have a few thoughts about this. Bring it. <laughs> So the first thought that I have is that, you know, when you really look at the numbers and you look at the data, it does seem like it's a bit premature, right? Mm -hmm. So the most current uh, information that we have is that we're around 43% fully immunized here in the state of Nevada. Granted, you know, um, Southern Nevada versus Northern Nevada might be slightly different. Um, And then about 58% um, at least a single dose. And so to me, that's a little bit frightening when you think about, you know, the 18,000 fans in the stands with no masks on and you look at, you know, five out of 10 people don't have, you know, both doses of the vaccine and aren't fully vaccinated, especially now as we're seeing recent reports that this new uh, Delta variant Mm -hmm. is really making its way through the United States. It's about 20 percent of the circulating strain. But, you know, the CDC director said that you know, by September, it could be the most dominant one here in the country. And if you're unvaccinated, that means you would be potentially 80% likely to be hospitalized if you were infected with this particular variant. So long story short, I think it really is, it comes down to risk. And if you are unvaccinated, you really need to think about that before you go into these public spaces. And, you know, Please don't feel badly if you need to still continue to wear a mask, because if we are all following the CDC directions, if you are unvaccinated, you still need to wear a mask in public. I think that really is what it boils down to. So talk a little bit about this Delta variance. Now, this situation, I mean, could this be... Is this kind of a flashback a little bit to where, you know, pre-COVID going back when we got news about this? Because you said like 20 percent. And then if you are already vaccinated, is this a threat to people that are already vaccinated or only people that are not Yeah. So great question. So luckily, it does seem like the vaccines, all three of the presentations that we have look like they are pretty hardy against this variant. Um, You know, we're we're looking at an efficacy, you know, slightly lower, like around 80 percent, you know, but still there is a potential risk, right? So just because you're vaccinated is not 100%, right? Nothing in life is 100%. But I think the biggest thing that we're concerned about is those who are choosing to stay unvaccinated or maybe that now as things are opening up, they just feel like there's no need because of the fact that everyone is going without a mask, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that peer pressure effect where it's like, oh, I don't need to get vaccinated. Everybody else is having a good time. Everybody else is out partying and maskless. So why do I need to go do that? And, and, you know, potentially put myself at risk for side effects, right? So there's a lot of, you know, misinformation about there. The, the most recent thing that I heard was that if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't get on a plane because you'd be at risk for blood clots. And I was like, this was somebody who said this to me was a health in healthcare. Whoa. And I was very shocked at this. And so, again... The fact that there's still all of this misinformation and there's still so much anti-vaxxer, you know, push towards people being vaccinated, I think we're still going to have a really hard time getting to that goal that we have at the Biden administration to be 70 percent vaccinated by July 4th. Um, I think we're probably going to get close, but it's going to be really hard. However... 
da, 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 da. breaking news oh, as breaking of news. yesterday <laughs> governor sisolak just announced at allegiant stadium that we are now getting our own vaccine lottery so vax nevada uh is five million dollars so there's one winner um that could win a million dollars but there's a lot of other prizes and stuff that's a part of it too so if you're vaccinated um you're automatically entered to win so and we're all in to- so, well, unfortunately, it's people who are vaccinated now. Mm-hmm. You and I, you know, because so we, by, were, we by, were good. By being we were good. And doing what we're supposed that. to, we don't have an opportunity. Well, Frank, I look at you as an early adopter, honey. <laughs> That's These are the people that we're trying to get that are on the fence. So if you do what you're supposed to, you get bent over. The other ones get oh, bent over. No. <laughs> I'm I'm just being perfectly frank. That's what TC wanted me to do today. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean today? But I'm bummed. I I got a quick question for you, too, because you mentioned the fake news about that kind of stuff. There are people out there that say, well, why get vaccinated? Because you can still get it anyhow. And then some people think that if you get vaccinated, you can't. Well, we know that that's not true because the coach of the Montreal Canadiens has just tested positive. He got a second dose on June 9th. So, like you said, there is a small chance you can get it. But even if you do, the symptoms are going to be a lot less and you're probably not going to be hospitalized and the other thing when you mentioned that okay so people right now you should still get vaccinated when this other strain comes around and when fall comes again and the temperatures drop and we're going to probably see another surge of this will people that are already vaccinated have to get vaccinated again like a flu shot every year well i think that is the the question that all of us are trying to figure out here in public health uh Obviously, you know, with you and me and TC and all the other people who got vaccinated back in December and January, it's looking like those people may potentially still need a booster. If you were maybe later vaccinated, so like, you know, towards the summertime or, you know, in the next few weeks, those people may not need to get a booster in the fall. We're not sure yet. However, the data right now supports that the messenger RNA vaccine, so the um, so the Pfizer and the Moderna, we know for sure that those are highly efficacious for at least six months. So we did the initial study for the six months. Um, That next six months, we're still looking at that. Um, And so, again, it's going to be based on what the circulating strain is. So we're going back to what we knew about flu. And when we had this happen during H1N1, which was our last big pandemic, we had what was called a two-year post-pandemic phase. And so the circulating strain that we had in that Um, instance was the same strain. And so we really didn't need to have people, you know, rush out and get vaccinated because we actually, our vaccine was the same for about two years. And so we don't know, is it going to be like that? Or is it going to be, you know, now that we've got this crazy Delta variant, are we going to have to, you know, retool the whole toolbox and have to start all over again? And how many other variants are going to be coming out? Again, we don't know. That's that's the you know that. No, no, that was a rhetorical question because you don't know. But what we do know is if we are all vaccinated, right? In theory, there would be nowhere for the virus to go, right? There would be nowhere for the virus to replicate and for it to mutate and to change. And so, again, that's why we're still recommending for people to get vaccinated, and. Again, this is your freedom. This is your choice, right? I know there's a lot of people say that this is my liberty that's being threatened, right? But it is not your right to put other people at risk. So you can be unvaccinated all you want in your own home. 
right? Just don't mm. go out in public and potentially threaten the lives of others. That's really what we want right. people to understand, that this is a personal mm. choice, yes, but we don't want to put other people at risk. So, you know, when you get a flu shot, it's an annual thing pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and some of these other things, whether chicken pox, it's, it's kind of once in a lifetime, once every few years. So going back to when people started getting vaccinated, did did you have that question like, hey, how often am I going to need this? Or is this just a one time that I'm good forever? And especially now with this Delta variants coming, is it one of these things where now, okay, I mean, is there is there a quote unquote straight answer that is like, okay, this is you don't not you're never going to need this again, or we're still not sure. It could be a year or two or three or five. Uh, I think it's the latter. It's that we're just not sure yet. And um, honestly, at the beginning of this, we were so shocked by how incredibly efficacious these vaccines were that we were all like falling over each other going, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Right. And, you know, at one point we were thinking, you know, maybe this might be like your tetanus vaccine where you get it like once every 10 years. Right. right? Like we didn't know. And so now we're like, maybe it's in between. Maybe it's not quite a once a year flu shot. And maybe it's not quite every 10 years. Maybe it's something in the middle. And again, we won't know until really, I think we won't know until the fall. Um, but I am so glad to see people out and about having a good time. I just want people to make sure that they're doing it safely and, you know, don't be afraid to wear a mask if you feel like it's going to protect you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we know that that mask has reduced almost 99% of flu cases this flu season. Mm-hmm. Right. What about the people that, okay, you know, that you're in a controlled environment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, where you already, you're, you're in this environment where everyone's kind of been, te- everyone has been tested and this and that, but they're still kind of requiring you to wear masks. And I know some people get offended by that. Is there still any risk or why are they asking people to continue to wear masks if you know that everybody in your group has been vaccinated? So I think it depends on who's requiring it, right? And so for healthcare facilities, for, you know, service industry positions, I think for right now, um, I think in order to make it to where it doesn't look like you're discriminating, right? So like if there's one person that may be out of your whole group that's not vaccinated, it, it looks like you're discriminating against that one person because that's the only one person that you're making wear a mask. If you're in a, a position where you are forward facing and you're in the public, it it's probably better to have everyone wear a mask versus to just single out that one person, right? And then also healthcare professionals, right? And so like when I go to my clinic, I still wear a mask, right? And so I, I honestly think that that's probably going to stay. I, I really don't think that even after all of this goes, I really do think that because when people come to you, they're most likely sick. Mm-hmm. I just think it's going to be something that's going to stick around. But again, uh, to answer your question, is it necessary? Um, I think that it is. it goes back to risk. Because yeah. It's even preventative. If, then right. There's no question. But even, even if you are vaccinated, there are some people that may have chronic medical conditions that put them at higher risk. There are people that are what we call immunosuppressed, so their immune system doesn't work as well, that the vaccine hasn't doesn't work as well in them, and so their protection is not as good as, say, you or me or Frank, right? Mm-hmm. And so those people probably really should still wear a mask if they're in public places and they don't know if the people around them are vaccinated. With the Tokyo Olympics coming up and the whole world going to Japan and more international travel opening up, 
what is there a bigger risk now for people out there and you mentioned the variants with the delta how many variants are there around the world because i know india is still having a lot of problems there's other places that have different variants with international travel opening up is there more danger of more cross variants and contamination going on yeah i mean i think uh you know the the olympics and japan uh they are pulling out all the stops right they are mass vaccinating their population they are so many security and safety precautions that are going on um i I mean i i'm hopeful i mean if everything goes as planned the likelihood of it being a super spreader event is pretty low right especially because they're not letting international visitors come and and watch the games and now i don't know if you've seen this but there's this whole new media blitz um now to have people watch at home right mm-hmm. and so right. i think i think that's smart i think it's really smart um and uh yeah i'm excited i'm excited for the olympics aren't you oh i am big time excited and uh we have to have you back on when we can st- talk more specifically about the olympics as well because as we said before you know, the japanese uh, government public they're they're split on this thing whether th- this like should 50, still go 50. on yeah and, and they're having a harder time finding volunteers because they said right. more and more people are not right. wanting to be part of it all right great stuff dr christina madison uh She's a whirlwind. She's all over the place. Tell the people what they need to know right now where they can find you for more information. You can find me at thepublichealthpharmacist.com mm. or you can follow me at your social media du jour mm. at the public health pharmacist. And you can listen to my podcast at uh, the public health pharmacist with the uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network. There you go. Great stuff. Very informative and yet entertaining as well, too. Well, when I'm on, it's entertaining, right? Of course. I haven't been on yet, though. I haven't got the invitation. Oh, what are that? you talking about? Open <laughs> invitation. <laughs> yeah, that started. You're complaining you're so worn out you can't do anything. Now you're complaining that somebody's not asking you to do something more. But it's like a vaccine. You she, say I'm the one she that complains me, all the she time. She gets me vaccinated. She gets, you know, I, 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 I get the blood pumping again. I'm excited again. There you go. All right, the VGK Watch Party here at Sunset Station. Have yourself a great weekend. And if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Enjoy. We reconvene Monday at 2.